Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Cricket customers. Max with ads is included with your Cricket $60 unlimited plan at no additional cost. Max is the streaming platform where you can watch Scoob, Meg 2 The Trench, The Nightmare on Elm Street Collection, and so much more. Remember me. Just log in with your Cricket username and password to experience Max on all your favorite devices. We've never seen this before. Max, the one to watch for a good scream with Cricket. Phone plan streams and standard definition. Programming subject to change. Fees, terms, and restrictions apply. See cricketwireless.com for details. Hey y'all, I'm April. And I'm Caroline. And this is your bloody happy hour. Caroline, are you ready for this? This is your newest guilty pleasure. It's the bloodiest part of your week. Did we say something about it also being happy hour? Show did. Because we about to be sipping on some murder. Bloody happy hour. All right. Hey, y'all. It's Thursday. This is April. This is Caroline. Um, And it's bloody happy hour time. We hope that you are ready for this crazy month. I'm drinking a big chunk of ice over yeah, here. Yeah, I don't even. Wouldn't fit in my cup. <laughs> so. Get your drinks ready because we got some crazy mamas coming up. It's a whole month of crazy mamas, mm. which means there's going to be some sad stories with it because it's going to probably be some kids. But we're going to try to make it a little light, maybe have a little jokes here and there. I no, mean, always. I don't know. That's what we always do. Okay. Um, oh, <laughs> let's talk about the crazy mom that's been in the news lately. Oh, we're not talking about Amber Heard, are we? She. Is she a mama? She either like adopted a baby or she used all of Johnny Depp's money to have her in the in vitro thing or surrogate or something. But she definitely used all of Johnny Depp's money mm. to pay for her last like three years of her life. Proved in court today. Oh, okay. What? Okay. Was he knocking on the window? He always tried to interrupt us. Is it working? Are we working? Oh. I was actually talking about. The Melissa Lucio mom that's been in the news. I don't know how you haven't heard I've of this. I've no, not heard of her. I've, <laughs> I haven't been watching the Johnny Amber Turd trial. Uh-huh. No, I haven't been paying attention to that. You've like obviously been watching only that. <laughs> She's a Texas mom. So, it, well, so is Amber. <laughs> well, she's from Austin. Oh, yeah. I did see a little bit of that. She's She was diagnosed with having borderline personality disorder and histrionic personality disorder. Oh, my God. Casey's got to come on and tell us about all of that. I know. Um, I did see, though, I've not been watching it at all, but I did see that people are calling her Amber Turd all yes. over Facebook. So yes. I figured. She's not getting many fans at all. And 
there was this one really, really good psychologist that testified. Uh-huh. She was really hot and she was just super smart and like super like well-spoken. She had a great presence. She was engaging with the jury and would like smile while you talk. Like, yeah. She was just, every, okay. was, she blew everybody away. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It was, it's good. Well, I'll this, send you some clips. She probably should have helped Melissa Lucio in her first case, but really quick, Melissa Lucio had 12 kids. Excuse me? And she was pregnant with two. 12? 12. Like, did she have them vaginally? Yes. Did I just well, say I vaginally? I mean, I don't know if she had them out of her JJ, but she had them. I know she, like, adopted or, like, nope. picked them up. No. Nope. Maybe they were crossing over. She was Catholic. Over. She was Catholic. <laughs> like the border. <clears throat> I don't know if people have been doing that now. And um, so she was she, a horrible mom. Yeah. Okay. She lived in an apartment. How do you live in an apartment with 12 kids? Don't. There's no seven teen bedroom apartments. Mm-mm. And then she had a live-in boyfriend, and this girl, this little girl, two-year-old girl, was dead and trauma to the head. Well, mom went to jail for capital murder, but there was no evidence that she actually did anything to, like, make the kid die. She just was guilty of neglect. So that's why I believe she got to stay because they don't think that she got a fair trial, that people just saw she's a Mexican mom that had too many kids, she had drug issues, she but the kids- was a shitty mom, and a kid ended up dead under her care, not by her hand, but by, I think, indirectly. Oh, so she indirectly broke her arm, she indirectly was... She got cigarettes put on. I don't know. I made that <laughs> she get cigarettes put on on her face? She indirectly, because she didn't watch her kid, her kid fell down the stairs, and her kid died. Oh, Okay, well, that so, a lot, but, yeah, mm-mm. so we'll see where that goes. So people are pissed, though. She <clears throat> I'm sure stay? there's a lot of moms out there that are like, or what do you think? Do you know about the case? I've only I was listening to a podcast, um, but she was a shitty mom. I mean, a shitty mom. She should. She didn't need all these kids. There was no food. There was not enough food well, in the house. Like, how do you for pay for it? Because if you adopt the kids, you at least get like money. I think from monthly money no she didn't adopt them she so, had them all they were all her biological kids that she either had a c-section yeah. or had out of her jj well, so that's what i was saying like if they were adopted you would get money yeah from that somehow i don't know how adoption really works i just know it from this case no, because you, they talked about if you have adopted kids then you typically get money from the government somehow i think they just get free education when you're foster care, you get money. But once you adopt oh. them, you pay people to adopt the kids. You lose out on that money. So, yeah, so it's like, how do you, how are you making enough money to keep all these kids? 12? You're cl- they're clearly not going That's to why eat. there's no food in the house. There was only they, food for one person, not even one person to have a meal. She, how, what did she look like? Oh, I don't, I don't even, well... I don't know what she looked like back then, but I'm way. pretty sure she was. A, she ate all the food. She ate all the. She got McDonald's <laughs> her and, her and she ate all the nuggets. She didn't give them any French fries. They had to go eat the grass. Oh, so so sad. Um, well, good thing she got to stay. Way to go! It's her kids actually that she neglected that have been advocating for her. One of her sons oh. that's like really trying to keep his mom alive. And then I was like, was it the son that pushed the kid down the stairs? And so she knows. That's where my mind goes. Sorry, y'all. I don't know about... He just yeah. may be a good son. Hey, I don't know. Can you tell them what you are going to talk about today? Well, today is the Hart Family Murders. Mm. Have you heard of it? 
Besides the fact that I might have said this is the case I'm doing today. I think I've heard a podcast a long time ago, if it's the one that I'm thinking about. Okay. Well, it starts off, we're going to go back to um, 2014. So there was a protest because there had been this, um, a Michael Brown. Do you remember that name? Uh-huh, uh-huh. He, this was in um, Ferguson, Missouri, and he was shot and killed six times by a police officer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this killing ignited this outrage and unrest. Like, I don't remember it, this. Uh-huh. It 2014, which I must have, I don't know. Yeah. But it reminded me a lot of, like, what's been going on in the past couple of years. Yeah. Um, so there's all this outrage, there's unrest. This led to a week of protests, and they're protesting against police brutality and apparently these protesters, they're chanting, um, hands up, don't shoot, which apparently were Michael's last words or final words. Okay. So there's this protest and then it's like they're, they're becoming violent protests. They're shown on the news and like everybody's shocked about all the brutality that's happening. There's like heavy uh, militarized response. Like they have tanks out there and they're like, I, do you remember? I don't know. The, but apparently these tactics, everybody's like, oh, my gosh, they have these tanks. They're not afraid to use these tanks. Yeah. And this is just crazy. So this all leads to an investigation into police officer Darren Wilson's actions. Um, but on November 24th, St. Louis County Grand Jury does not indict Darren Wilson for Michael Brown's murder. Uh-huh. And people are outraged. And the protests start back up. And this time it's all across the nation. So in Portland, Oregon, November 25th, there's a Black Lives Matter protest, and 12-year-old Devontae Hart was there, and he's wearing a sign around his neck that says, free hugs. Uh-huh, okay. So Sergeant Brett Barnum, with the Portland Police Department, who is working the protest, he sees Devontae's sign, he go- points to him, and he says, like, hey, can I have one of those? Like, a hug. And so Devontae, like appears in the because there's a photograph captured he appears to be like emotional and he's crying Uh and so then they embrace in a hug um and then a photographer there um captures this moment in a photo because he knew this was a powerful moment because this is a white american police officer Uh hugging a black american little boy Uh yeah so he sold his picture to the Oregonian, and then it immediately went viral. It's, like, shown all over the news, the Today Show. It's all over social media, just shared everywhere. So the Oregonian then asks Devante why he was giving away free hugs at the protest. Mm-hmm. And he says that he's trying to show, to show peace and that there was a different way to handle it. So while Devante's intentions as a 12-year-old boy were very noble, of course you're going to have your critics. And this little fun little word, propaganda, pops up. And they start to distract from the real issue, which is, you know, constant and unprosecuted murder of unarmed black citizens by the police. And then it's like they're writing about all these things and there's just... This photo draws positive and negative attention. Mm -hmm. And so Jen Hart, Jennifer Hart, one of 
Devante's moms okay. tells the Oregonian that their family has been receiving death threats. And so they start limiting their time in public in order to keep a low profile. Okay. So, but at this, uh, this point is, this is the exact opposite of what Jen and her wife, Sarah, had been doing with their kids on social media. So now let me tell you about the Hart family. Okay. That was our intro. Intro. So Jennifer Hart and Sarah Gangler. They're both originally from South Dakota. Um, they meet in college and they both transfer to Northern State University. They're both studying to become teachers, but only Jen graduates and both of their careers are officially over in 2002. However, while they're at Northern State University, while they're dating, Jen and Sarah, they just told people that they were roommates or that they were, like, really good friends, but they eventually decided to come out as lesbians. Okay. Well, when they revealed their relationship, they were met with a lot of bigotry. They were, they lost a bunch of friends. Because it's 2002, gay marriage is not legal at this point. Yeah, okay. So, and then... Jen says, like, the Midwestern mindset was relentless, and they were unforgiving and unaccepting. So then in 2004, they moved to Alexandria, Minnesota, and they both worked in the same department store. And Jen, let me tell you these two, their personalities. Jen is the one who's the more dominant one. So she she's wears the, the strap on. She's the strap on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Jen is the dominant one. She's a big personality. She liked to be in control and she was not afraid to let her voice be heard. Okay. And Sarah was seen as more sensitive and passive. Okay. She's a taker. Yeah. So like I said, this was before same sex marriage was legalized and then when it is, it's in 2005, and Sarah goes to court, and she changes her last name legally to Hart. To Hart. She's the one who's the taker. Okay. She's going to take that name. Okay. So that summer, Jen and Sarah decide that they want to become foster parents. So they end up taking a in a 16-year-old girl. So this girl later, whenever she was an adult, she was interviewed by um, the Seattle Times. She asked to remain anonymous. And she kind of chimes in in the story. But she doesn't have, there's no name. So she's just the the foster girl. You know she's a black girl too? Do they get all black kids? They do, but I don't don't know why I'm picturing that she's a white girl. Okay. And this may be why they get rid of her. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. Okay. That's in my head. So this girl, like, later was interviewed. She was remaining anonymous. She said that as a teen, she had been, let me tell you, difficult to control. She skipped school. And she snuck out with friends in the middle of the night. It's normal, normal teenage life. What? Yeah. So she wasn't happy in her foster, in her old foster home, so she was placed with the hearts. So she was, like, ready to make a new start. Then the first six months go well. And she does notice that Sarah's like the quieter of the two and that Jen is more like outgoing, but she's also moodier. Okay. We don't like Jen. Well, we don't like either one of them, but they all live in this two-story house. They have a dog and several cats. Oh. First red flag right there. Yeah. Am I right? Mm-hmm. I'm telling you. Should have known. And now a word from our sponsors. Mm. 
911, what's your emergency? Do you hear that? It's coming from the house. It's coming from inside the house? Uh, do you mean, could it be? The Poltergeist. New from Rogue Media, two haunted hotties talking about haunted places. Every episode, we dive deep into the darkest places and give you a bit of history. We're getting spooky in all the right places. You've gobbled your last ghoul. Follow along for the craziest and spookiest stories with Debbie's Dark Tourism. The Stanley Hotel, Winchester House, The Alamo, Hotel Monte Vista, and more spooky places. Find us at the underscore poltergals. P-O-L-T-E-R-G-A-L-S. Look over your shoulder. It's us, the Poltergals. Wherever you consume the podcast, you can find us there. Hi, this is Sarah. And I'm Carter. And this is Some of Our Thoughts. We're two Southern sommeliers, and we want to share everything we love and know about wine. We started hanging out during quarantine and cooking and drinking and listening to music, and we just thought this would be a great way to bring everything we know to you guys. We will make wine knowledge and food pairings easy and approachable. So put on your favorite vinyl, grab your favorite glass of wine, tune into our show, and let's have some fun. So check us out on RogueMediaNetwork.com or wherever you get your favorite podcast. We'll be talking about a lot. Welcome to One Star Rewind, a new podcast about those dreaded one-star reviews that every business owner hates to receive, but yet every customer loves to read. During this podcast, we will peel back that one-star review to better understand how it happened, when it happened, and what the business owner is doing after receiving that one-star review. This podcast will be about love, hate, and laughter. On One Star Rewind, we will meet with real business owners will tell their stories and how they do rely on reviews for their business. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or download us at roguemedianetwork.com. Please subscribe, but only rate and review for not a one-star review. Join us each time for a new review and a new story. Anyways, they're going to all these events together. And then aside from doing things, the things with her two moms, she's not allowed to do anything else. She's not allowed to go out with her friends. She literally goes to school and then she goes to work and she works at Subway. So they're very strict. Well, more and more things start to happen that kind of make her uncomfortable. So, for example, the Sarah and Jen 
took the daughter or took the girl to the department store that they work for. And they're like, we're going to take you to get a makeover. And the girl's like, um, I'm kind of like a tomboy. I don't really don't want to makeover. And they insisted and she has to go do it anyway. So she's like, Oh my gosh, they're making me do this stuff. Okay. Obviously they thought she was ugly. So there's, and there's another time where they go to a football game and they all bring footballs and they want to get these footballs signed by a player. Well, Jen has her favorite player who she wants to get her football signed by. Well, the girl is the one who gets her football signed by that exact guy. And then Jen did not like it. Jen was pissed. And Jen said, or the girl later in her, when she's talking to the Seattle Times, she says that it turns into this huge fiasco and that Jen was accusing her of that she did it on purpose and that she was being a brat. And then Jen Jen gave her like the silent treatment for several days. So she just ignored her. That's ridiculous. Stupid. Yes. There's like, yeah. So in early 2006, the hearts make this big decision that they want to adopt children. Okay. So they include their foster daughter in on the decision. And they're like, how do you like the sound of you being like an older sister and blah, blah, blah. And she's excited and they're all excited and whatever. So they eventually um decide on two sets of siblings two sets of siblings yeah that come available for adoption so jen and sarah go to texas they come to texas that's where they get these kids they're all from texas so they get um they come they meet the kids and then in late february one week before the kids are supposed to be placed in the heart's home jen and sarah take their foster daughter to a therapy appointment and while she's in this therapy appointment, she finds out from her therapist that she's being moved to a new foster home. Oh, and they leave her there. So she's driven to the new foster home by like the therapist or, or you know, by them, somebody. Jennifer's controlling and she didn't fit her, I, her whatever mold of what she thought a daughter should be. So she's driven to the new foster home. She gets there and her stuff is already there. Yes. She never sees Jen and Sarah again. Lucky for her. I know. So when they're later asking the foster daughter or when they're, they asked, they were Jen and Sarah were asked why they gave up their, the daughter. And they started telling people that, she dug through the trash and that she was suicidal and she was threatening it and that they didn't want her negative energy to impact the children. Mm. But according to this now adult foster child in this interview, she says she has no idea why they did that. Like none of those things were true and that clearly they just wanted to give up on her so they could start over with this brand new family. Just like you said. Yeah. So on March 4th, 2006, three children from Texas, which is Abigail, age three, Hannah, age four, and Marcus, age eight, are placed in the heart's care. And six months later, the adoption is finalized. And during the first year, um, Jen and Sarah complete 15 hours of training. Um, I guess you have to do foster care or adopted parents training. I don't yeah. know. So there's one training that's that's helping abused kids and care heal. And then another training called racial diversity excitement, Mm. which trains 
uh, people who are adopting children of different ethnicities to be proud of where they came from and who they are. Yes, I have a friend that uh, that adopted kids from Africa, uh-huh. but they're white, and so you basically have to make a promise that you're going to keep the kids' culture in their life and still expose them and not totally, I guess, yeah. whitewash them. Right, yeah. So the caseworkers assigned to the Hart family reports that Jen and Sarah are great parents, and she recommends that they can adopt the second set of siblings. Oh, God. So in June 2008, they jump on it and they adopt Devonte, age six, Jeremiah, age four, and Sierra, age three. There's never a reason to have that many kids, and it's always a red flag. Yeah, like nobody normal wants Horatio or whatever her name is. Who Lu- Melissa Lucio? Lucio. Yes, she 12. wanted probably the food stamps and the the TANF that came with them. These people wanted that foster care. Yeah, because they work at department stores. Yeah, like how are you? How how is that enough money to raise six kids? I mean, I don't know. There there must be doing something that I don't know about because I'm just raising myself. <laughs> And Parker and Jax. And Parker and Jax. And we don't go do anything. <laughs> so they these these set of siblings have moved from Houston. And now they're all in Alexandria, Minnesota. So, yes, they have six kids now. So um, Devante, Jeremiah, and Sarah's, the most recent ones, their mom had addiction issues. And they were living with their aunt. Well... Their mom wasn't legally allowed to see them. But one day, a caseworker does a checkup, and the caseworker comes over, and the mom is there. Hmm. So apparently the mom had been letting, the aunt had been letting the mom visit, and then, of course, the three children get taken away from the aunt. Oh, one strike only? One strike. Wow. Yeah. Awful. So in 2009, um... Same-sex marriage becomes legal in certain states. I think I might have said that it came legal earlier, but no, it comes legal now. And so Jen and Sarah go to Connecticut where they get married. So before she just changed her name. Yeah, before I guess she just changed her name. Okay. Yeah. Now they can officially Now they get officially married. get married. 2009. Okay. okay. So they announce, oh, not only do they get married, then they announced that Sarah is trying to get pregnant via a donor. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I, I would think it was harder to adopt. Once again, how where do you ha- how do you have money to do this? If is it if it's, you're doing a donor, expensive to do is it. that you're trying to get somebody's sperm put into your yeah. thing? Unless they're turkey based, and I have two lesbian friends that actually wanted to. Did a real turkey baster. <laughs> it didn't work. What? Wait, you suck something up? <laughs> yes. Needless to say, it didn't work. Did not work. Wait, they and tried they to get up. somebody else's sperm? Uh-huh. <laughs> they broke up. Well, we probably should have seen that one coming. Oh, hell. So, you know, unfortunately, Sarah does not get pregnant. Good. But that's probably fortunate at this yeah. point. So um, they would never have biological children, which, like I said, I don't know how they would have afforded that anyway. So back in Minnesota, Sarah has the job. She's the manager at the department store. And now Jen becomes a stay-at-home mom. Poor kids. Oh. 
So yeah, now there's just one of them working. So this is why I'm extra confused. And I, yeah. So. But they're officially adopting them. It's not foster care, right? Correct. Full adoption. Yes. I don't, I don't understand either. So I, I think on the documentary I watched it that they said something about they were getting money from an agency for something. Okay. I don't know. I don't quote me on that, but if anybody out there listening knows, just let me know. Could be, but like it's so, that's why people are going to other countries to adopt because it's supposed to be so, so hard, hard to adopt here. Well, they in apparently America. had no trouble. Maybe this is why it's so hard now. Hopefully. They screwed it up for everybody. Yeah. And CPS. That's terrible. Um, so to everyone, like friends, coworkers, neighbors, it just appears that this Hart family, they just have it all. I mean, they're just, they, they take their kids everywhere. They do things. They go hiking. They go camping. They go, they grow their own food. Mm. Trying to do too much. They're loving. They, oh, just wait. They advocate, they advocate for acceptance and unity and they are peace and love, peace and love everywhere and People are seeing aspects of their life because guess what? Jen is very active on social media. And this is about the time that mm. Facebook becomes really like big and she is Facebook queen. Oh, I bet. I bet she homeschools them next because that's always red flag number two to me. Does she homeschool them? She Maybe. might. <laughs> red so flag number two. She's, wait, I think we're on our third red flag. I don't remember the second one. Okay. Um, so she's constantly posting videos, posting pictures, all the activities, all the different things they do. And they call themselves the heart tribe. And they look like the model of a progressive 21st century family, two white lesbian mothers that adopted six black kids. <laughs> the modern family. Yeah. I mean, you know, but guess what, April in two in September, 2008, a teacher at the kids' school notices, here we go, that on six-year-old, well, now six-year-old Hannah has bruises on her arm, and the teacher asks her where the bruises are from, and Hannah says that her mom whipped her with a belt. So ultimately, there's no charges that are filed, but Jen and Sarah pulled all the kids out of school <sighs> and homeschooled them for the next year. But wait, it gets worse. The next, the next school year, so the following school year, 2009, Jen and Sarah put the kids back into school. Okay. So they kept out for a little bit. They were like, oh, let's clear up these bruises. Now we got you back into school. It's November 2010. And now seven-year-old Abigail tells her teachers that she has owies on her back and on her stomach. And she tells them that her mom, Jen, held her head underwater while punching her and hitting her because Abigail had a penny and Jen thought she stole this penny. Oh my gosh, Jen is psycho. Psycho. And Sarah's even more psycho for not even realizing how psycho Jen is. Well, in this one, it's Sarah holding her under the water. Oh, it was Sarah. So Sarah held her under the water because Jen saw the penny. And accused her of stealing it. Yeah, so Sarah probably had to do that. But the... <sighs> <laughs> yeah. So the teachers report it, and the authorities interview the kids. They all report having been spanked and having food withheld from them. Probably because they don't have any food. 
That's probably why that other girl was digging in the trash can. That's <laughs> probably why. <laughs> and so, and, and being grounded, these are all the punishments. When authorities interview Jen and Sarah, Sarah takes all the blame. Sarah takes everything. She took the last name. She takes the strap on. She takes the blame. <laughs> so take, 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 and take. So in 2011, she pleads guilty to misdemeanor domestic assault, and she gets a year of community service. Okay. Mm. So despite all of this, the children basically say that Jen is the abusive one, and of course she takes no responsibility for anything. Of course. But she's wearing the strap on, so why should she? So later that year, Hannah, who was the one earlier with the bruises on her arm, got whipped with the belt. She complains to the school nurse that she's hungry. She hasn't been fed all day. Wow. The nurse calls Sarah, who tells her Hannah is playing the, quote, food card and to just give her water. (laughs) I never played no food card. I mean, what's wrong with letting her eat something? I don't know. Why didn't the nurse just give her any food anyways? The nurse is an idiot. I hope the nurse gave her at least a granola bar or something. Come on, give that girl Snickers. Some Cheetos? (laughs) I'd be fine with a ding-dong. I don't care. Man. Just give her some water. Mm. So, yes, uh, for the second time, Jen and Sarah... Pull the kids out of school. Yeah. Okay, so it's our 18th red flag. Mm -hmm. So the Hart children are now homeschooled, and they will never return to school again after this. So now we have these six Hart children who have been totally isolated from any outside influences and to anyone that could notice any abuse that they were, like, subjected to. Of course. So in 2013, the Hearts leave Minnesota, and now guess what? They're moving. So what else do you do? Another red flag. Moving 1,500 miles away to West Lynn, Oregon, which is near a suburb of Portland. Okay. So they keep up their peace, lo- peace and love, peace and love appearances. Do they they have start a big van. A Yukon. Okay. So like a suburban. Yeah. Um, they raise goats. And chickens. So they got meat. They probably, they don't give it to the kids. Um, and the, they're they're raising these animals in the backyard of their rental house. Do they have those little stickers on the back of their suburban? Probably with like all mama, the, mama, yes. and then all the little kids. Yes, I guaranteed. It's guaranteed. That drives me crazy. It's terrible. I want to run into the back of every car yeah. that has that. Because they always say that that's a way to like get your kids taken from you. If people oh, know yeah. how many kids here's, that you have. Oh, she's got four kids I can traffic. Yeah, great. I mean, you follow her for a Plus, couple weeks. nobody cares how many kids you have. Well, and, I mean, that's a lot of stickers. Yeah. That would impede my driving. <laughs> Did I just it drives impede? me crazy. I don't know what's impede. Well, that's a big word. I know. I'm so smart today. So, peace and love, peace and love, raising chickens, raising goats. Um, the hearts are attending these all these festivals. So, they become, like, well-known at these festivals. So they're like granola, yoga, like I hate them. Hippie. Crunchy, real crunchy. Yes. You, they probably don't wear any makeup. You know, they probably smell a little bit natural oh, deodorant. No deodorant. I yeah, mean, listen, probably. if you want to wear that natural deodorant with them. no aluminum or whatever it is, like give me all that aluminum. I'm not trying to stink. <laughs> but if you want to stink and not wash your hair, you know what? That's fine. It's fine. You could sit far away. 
but you know, peace and love. So they're, they have these, um, some of these festivals are like multi-day festivals and they're like togetherness and yoga and music. And it's a social, just this big social appearance, this atmosphere and the heart children are always see, seen like singing and dancing at these events, you know? Well, over the years, Jen like carefully has like curated this social media presence um, that just portrayed her family as just they're important to the social cause. They're happy, they're healthy, and they're just this tribe that can never be broken apart. Mm. You know? And you these pictures are like they're really good and like she's just getting people are always commenting on them and because they're really like good quality, like well lit pictures. Yeah. So it's believable. Okay. So they go to one of these festivals, and this is some sort of like yoga retreat type of a festival. And of course, this documented all over Facebook. And there's one video that was also in this documentary I watched. And this documentary is called Broken Hearts. It's on Hulu, and it's also a podcast called okay. Broken Hearts. And it's all about them. The podcast is like several episodes. It's like a oh, series. Oh, yeah. So um, this festival is called the Beloved Festival. Okay. Peace and love, peace and love. It's basically a video. A video gets taken. And this video like foreshadows the viral photo that's coming next year. So remember at the beginning of the story is when I talked about Devante's photo. Yeah. That was all happened later, like okay. right now. So so this video is there's this guy on stage and he's singing. And Devante is um, wearing a zebra like outfit, like a zebra costume, and he is like runs up to the stage. I want to. I kind of want to show you a little bit of it. Okay, as it's playing, let me let me explain to you what's what's happening. Oh, okay. Okay, so this guy. Is chanting, yeah. So he's he's like chanting. He's on stage. He's like crossed legs, and he has no shirt on. So Devante goes up to him. The the crowd is cheering. They're like, "Oh my god, this is awesome!" And he goes up to him, and Devante hugs the guy as as the guy's performing. And he's just chants the same thing over and over. And the guy hugs. They hug each other, and. Devante doesn't let go. He's like bawling, crying. Bawling, crying. Is he saying, help me? I don't know. So the the guy singing starts to like grabs his head, pulls his head to his chest, like kind of rub it on the back of his head, like embracing him. And at first it's like endearing. And then it kind of gets to where it's like wow. a little upsetting. You know, yeah. like it's like you could tell that Devonto's not letting go. He's like hugging this. This lasts for about two minutes and he, you they start looking at each other like they're like staring into each other's eyes at one point. And it's like it's almost like Devonte's trying to tell him something mm-hmm. through his eyes because then the guy's <clears> looking <throat> at it's like you can almost you can like see the guy singing like. Like, what are you trying to tell me? I don't know. That's just kind of what I... 
<clears throat> and he's not even singing words, so it's no, not like the words like, can hey, get to I'm him. Mama, hey, mama. Yeah. And so and like, are they Buddhist? I don't know. So I said it's like real <laughs> yoga, granola, like okay, festival type of thing. But he's gripping this guy so hard, he doesn't know this guy. And I mean, it's probably like knowing what the whole story, knowing what we know, mm-hmm. like you can kind of look at it a different way. But it's just like kind of shocking and also he has in the back of his head is shaved the word love and he has like on the sides there was like hearts that were shaved Uh on the sides of his heads so he's like in this full-on zebra costume with his with a tail he has his head shaved words in his head so it's obviously like they're trying to get attention from it (laughs) yeah i mean it's pretty obvious and so this is like I said earlier, this family was known at these festivals and they would have put on this like presentation. This is like they're in their element, but it's almost like they're trying to parade their kids around, you know, and they're like, there's this other photo with Jen. She has Devante on her shoulders and he has on his free hug sign. And it's just like, look at, look at us, look at our kids and give us attention. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about, no. Clap at us. Be proud of us. Yes. Look what we did. Yes. We saved these black kids from their horrible black <clears throat> yep. parents. Yep. But in reality and behind the scenes, like, they're living a nightmare. Poor kids. So eventually, the neighbors of Jen and Sarah start to become a little skeptical. Because they are surprised at how small the children seemed for their ages. And they notice that, like, the kids are never playing outside. They're never being loud. They just don't seem like normal six normal young kids mm-hmm. i mean i have one kid and it's like enough yeah and I yeah six so people some people started to see through their like fakeness and alerted the authorities so one person ended up calling the oregon department of human services in 2013 and said that the kids pose and are made to look like one big happy family but after the photo they go back to looking lifeless and somebody else said that they looked un they look underfed and very small for their age another one said that they look like trained robots Mm. and another one said that they appear to be scared to death of jen that's why they got rid of that old girl and they got younger kids because she was already too old that you couldn't train them like your little mm-hmm. pets. But guess what? When Child Protective Services went to interview Jen and Sarah, they said it was bigotry and that people are prejudiced <laughs> and that they don't understand their modern family dynamic and they don't like the fact that they're lesbians and that they have a family. And then when the kids are interviewed... On how they feel about their home life, they tell the social workers that they're happy, but their expressions are lifeless and they don't seem happy at all. Oh, so child service closed the case. Of course, because <laughs> there's no. I evidence. mean, they're better off with these two white women than they would be with their mama, right? Or their aunt, who was perfectly or fine. Their aunt. Two years later is when Devante's photo goes viral. So all of this happened leading up to that. Okay. Year of the protest. And he was crowned with the cop too, right? Yes. Yeah. So uh, this becomes, this photo becomes like um, national attention. And it's, um, 
it's much more attention than Jen and Sarah wanted, surprisingly, because they seem to have wanted all this attention, but they don't want that much attention. And Devante gets offers to be on a guest on like TV shows, and um, but they don't let him. They don't let him because at this time Jen is saying that she's getting that they're getting death threats. <sighs> I mean, this is what Jen is saying. She then also says that she wants to protect her her son's privacy. But I'm going to put them all over Facebook and yeah, social media. Yeah. But I want to protect his privacy. And she even, then she even took a hiatus for six months from social media. What a good job. Um, But you know what? In spring of 2017, she was back on social media. And guess what? They moved again. Oh, I hate her. And this time they moved to Woodland, Washington. Apparently it's a very rural area. And their new neighbors were a couple named Bruce and Dana DeKalb. DeKalb. De, the DeKalbs were excited about their new neighbors. They were like, hey, this is going to be great. New neighbors. And then they Nobody's out, excited. They're lying. Nobody's excited about six kids moving next to I you. I feel like they were like older and they were just maybe like, oh, this will be fun to have neighbors. I'd be even more pissed if I was older and six kids moving well, next to me. Well, they didn't even notice because they found out that nobody comes outside. <laughs> She's, they said that they never leave their house, that they're always inside with the blinds drawn. Mm -hmm. So they are like what my mom thinks that I am, sitting in a dark house. I'm not sitting in a dark house. My blinds are always open. And your candles are lit. And I sit outside, <laughs> and I go to the baseball park, baseball fields in the park. Yes. Oh, I be doing things. <laughs> Hell, she don't even know. Who came over last night? Just kidding. <laughs> <clears throat> so then a couple of months go by it's um august and at 1 30 in the morning the decalbs get a knock on their door it's hannah hart she Ooh. says she just jumped out of the second story window of their house and her two front teeth were missing so because she when she fell she hit him oh well, so they think that she's six or seven years old. She's 14. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Hannah. 14. And then this is the one with the bruises on the arm. This is the one. Oh, so they, okay. uh, they keep bringing up Hannah. She must have just been yeah. trying to, she's trying to tell so many people. And so she's frantic and she's asking for protection. And she um, is like, don't make me go back there. They're racist and they abuse us. And she's telling this to the DeKalbs. Well, she begs and begs and begs for them to take her to Seattle. But even before they could figure out what's even going on, because they're just so confused. They're like, I don't, we don't ever, ever see these people. Jen and Sarah show up at the front door. At the neighbors. Oh, God. Yep. Do I need to pause? No, I just need to see what they look like. Which ones? All the little kids, yeah. It's H A R T. Oops. Let me make sure they don't play. I got one. Look. Uh, oh, and they're all matching. They're matching in this one too. So apparently, um, so Jen and Sarah show up at the front door and they ask, uh, to, they Jen asked to speak to Hannah privately. So they go upstairs in a separate room 
And then they eventually come downstairs and then they all leave. And then the next day, the three of them come back and they've made Hannah write an apology letter uh. to them. And it they explained that Hannah's bipolar. And that she was upset because her cat died. And that she knocked her, her own teeth out in an accidental fall. Come on, red flags. Too many. So apparently, another apparently, Jen was telling people that all the kids were drug babies. And so that's why they were difficult. Uh-huh. So anytime people were suspicious about anything that was going on, that was her like go-to response. Drug babies. Drug babies. Later, the DeKalb's, the neighbors, they, oh, excuse me. What's happening? Oh. They ended up telling the New York Times that Jen was just so convincing. And they could just, they just, they just bought yeah. it. They just, yeah. she was so convincing and. They usually are. Yeah. And who really cares about these little black kids anyways? I mean. Right. You know. They're in good hands with these two white women. So this still left a really terrible feeling. Good neighbors. Yes. So anytime that those neighbors would try to talk to the kids, if they just kind of, if they like saw him in the, I don't know where they would see him, but if they ever were to talk to him, the kids would not speak back to them. Oh, man. I know. They weren't allowed to. So then six months later, Devante, who's now 15 years old, he goes up to the DeKalb's door, front door, and he starts asking for food. He, they give him food. Devante's like nervous and he's like, don't tell me, please don't tell my parents, please don't tell my parents. And they're like, assure him, like, we're not going to tell anybody. Like, don't worry. Like, it's fine. He visits them like weekly for food. It's a weekly occurrence. He gives them a wish list of food. It's staples. It's like peanut butter, bread, Mm, like basic stuff. And he then asked them to, if they would leave groceries in a box, a hidden box by the fence, so his moms would not catch him. So sad. I was like, at what point do these decalbs, like, I feel like that's pretty... That's some evidence, good evidence to call again. So this goes on for a little while, and finally the decalbs are... They're completely torn because they know the kids need help. Then on finally, finally on March 23rd, 2018, they call Child Protective Services. When a caseworker shows up to the Hart's house for a home check, no one answers. And the next day, the DeKalb's notice that the Hart's family Yukon is not in the driveway. On the same day, on the same day, um, Sarah's co-workers get a text from her saying that she's sick and she won't be able to come into work tomorrow. Two days later, on the morning of Sunday, March 25th, Jen Hart is captured on security footage um, in a Safeway at, in Fort Bragg, California. And she's buying groceries. And this is the last time anyone will see her alive. Uh... Monday, May 26, 2018, California police get a call around 3.38 p.m. from a German tourist passing through Mendocino County Mm. on Highway 1. 
And she reports seeing an upside down SUV at the bottom of a cliff. Oh my goodness. When officers arrive on the scene, they find the bodies of Jen Hart in the driver's seat, Sarah Hart wedged between the smashed roof and the rear seats. A search of the crash site continued for three weeks. And during that time, the remains of three kids, Marcus, 19. What? Jeremiah, 14. And Abigail, 14, are all found near the SUV. The body of 12-year-old Sierra is found on the beach north of the crash site. It takes them a year to find Hannah's body. And in May 2018, they finally uh, they finally do find skeletal remains of her. Yeah, when they find of her ha- body. Of Hannah. Of Hannah. And they have to have her biological mother come to do like a uh, DNA test. How horrible. Wow. So guess who's left? Devontae. Devontae. Where's Devontae? So, and at this point, they don't know if this is like an accident. They don't know if like nobody can find Devontae. Like what really happened? Yeah. Was it like somebody kidnapped him and then they drove him off the, I don't know. So, uh, Devante's body's never recovered. What? The crash is initially thought to be an accident, but the investigators notice there are no skid marks Mm -mm. at the scene or any indications that Jen tried to stop the car in any way. Then a, where does it talk about? Where is that? Um, Then they do a toxicology report, and it comes back showing that Jen was drunk at the time of the crash. Jen doesn't drink. Uh, She had the equivalent of five beers. So if you never drink, well, I guess you get drunk on five beers. I was going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) And that Sarah had, and and at least two of the kids had, Diphenhydramine in their system, which is the active ingredient in Benadryl. Okay. She put them to sleep. Which causes drowsiness. Sarah's phone records are recovered, and this is when they know that it was not an accident. Because she had recently Google searched, how easily can I overdose on over-the-counter medication? She also Googled... Can 500 milligrams of Benadryl kill a 125-pound woman? And she also Googled, how long does it take to die from hypothermia while drowning in a car? Sarah or Jen? Sarah was Googling this while Jen was driving. So Sarah... So they were both just tag-teaming and planning this. They were both okay. I was... was Wondering if Jen was really the mastermind. I think and Jen Sarah. was, but like had Sarah was kind of like under a spell. <sighs> she was like, she was the accomplice and she was okay with it. She just didn't want to be like alone, the main bully oh. or something. I don't know. I hate Sarah even more. She could have saved them all. So, so whatever she happened? Googles all these things. Yeah. Then they realized that they fully knew what they were doing because the car had like the little, you know, black box, you know, the little computer thing that can you can recover from like mm-hmm. an airplane that like mm-hmm. t- tells you like the mechanical things that are happening at the car. 
Well, it shows that the speed of the car was going at 90 miles an hour. So basically they're driving along the road and she probably just like stops, turns and points the car to the cliff. And let's say it's, I don't know how far away from like the edge of the road, but she just floors it. Oh my goodness. And then flies in the, and it's water right there over the cliff and they just land upside down. down. Yeah. And they're just all. And so they suffered the most. And, um, yeah, there was no use of the brakes whatsoever. So Jen got drunk. She woke, worked up the courage to do this. And then Sarah and the kids took a bunch of Benadryl so they would be asleep or drowsy. And then Jen drove off a cliff and killed her family in a murder-suicide. Murder, wow. So, like... Filicide. Filicide. How... Like... Why? <laughs> I, Who, what? I don't... Yeah. I don't... These weren't even, you, you could have just gave them back. But what? people thought she was so amazing. She could not take the bad um, looks, the bad reputation. She was doing that to save herself, really. She was making a good reputation at first. Yeah, but now if she gave the kids back and all this came oh, out. Oh, yeah, yeah, She yeah. would look like shit in the news. She'd be on, she would... You know People, what? She'd she'd be exposing herself. Also, so she'd rather be dead. In this podcast or in the documentary, they they talked about how they found like all this evidence that Jen, while she would be at home, she spent like hours and hours and hours a day on the computer, like on one of those like game games. Like she would play this like, and it was like a community. So there's the guy that's in the documentary, and he's like. He, like, knew her. Like, uh, they talked all the time. Like, you're in this, I don't know if you're collecting world. stuff. Yeah, <laughs> like, this virtual world. And he's like, I had no idea she had kids and knew all this stuff about her. Uh-huh. But had no idea she had kids, had a family, because she's just always on this game. Wow. And just the amount of time she spent on it, it's like, it, it was just, that just added to a little bit of the strangeness. I don't know if she was, like, making money off of it, because sometimes I guess you can do that. I don't know. But that's, it's clear that all they wanted to do was want to look good in front make of these people. Look and make good. themselves look good. And then they wanted to isolate the kids. They couldn't fathom the thought of them looking bad. So they'd rather just all die. And that is the story of, and how crazy is it that it was Devante who she like, she obviously did, I mean, she thrusted him out there. He was the one that she would kept like, I don't know. She just liked him more. Uh And where's Devante? And then then of all of them, his body was never found. His body was never found. That is the story about Devante Hart and those crazy Lesbian Jen and Sarah, Jen and Sarah murdered all the kids, kids all these innocent kids. Maybe Devonte had enough, and he drove their ass off a cliff and walked oh. away. What if he did? <laughs> My mind is horrible. He would have saved his brothers and sisters. Yeah, well, he. Oh, I can't believe that the the kids, like the adult. No, I do remember. That they were 
super like seatbelt, 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 and none of them had seatbelts. Oh yeah. So maybe so they could get out. So they were truly they couldn't get out of the car. But oh, I'm sure they were like, oh, they don't know how to swim. Let's do it in water. But it was so shallow. I mean, it was like probably the just like a. I mean, the whole car was not submerged. Yeah. So I. I don't know if they just wanted them to have flown out. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the point of no, it is. Can't even make it make sense. Oh, there's y'all's first story. There's your first one. Yeah, two. You gave us two for one. Two crazy mamas. Yeah. Two, two for, for one. one. And it was pretty. That was a good story. It was a good story. And it, it was, was quick. quick. Look, I get to make it to my place. Y'all, story number one. Happy Mother's Day. Oh, my gosh. Is that this weekend? <laughs> I think or next. last weekend? I don't know. We're a week late. Next. No. This weekend's the Cinco de Mayo party. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think the next weekend's Mother's Day. But, okay. Well, for Mother's Day, you should give your mother the gift of bloody happy hour. <laughs> and send her the share your, um share the, share the podcast, like it, subscribe to it, review us, rate us. Yes, 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 yes. We'll see you next week for another story I haven't picked. Also, yet. and on the episodes, you can check the show notes. Like, so, like on Spotify, you click the little dots and and click more. And we have like, if there's videos that we have, we'll post links to the videos there or different links to articles. Um, and we also have a link to our email and our um, happy hour fund. Oh yes, happy hour fund. I didn't even, I wasn't even drinking this time because I was Russian. So, but I'm about to go start right so, now. Are you Russian? I was Russian. And I don't think you're allowed to be Russian. <laughs> okay, y'all. Vladimir. I think Tell every me. Russian person's named Vladimir. Is it really? I don't know. They're all Vladimir this, Vladimir that, Vladimir, Valdorf. We will see y'all next week. Don't forget to stay aware, stay alive, and always be DTF. Bye, y'all. The Hart family's teacher should have been more DTF. I mean, they probably tried as hard as they could. That nurse should have been more DTF. Hey. Bye, y'all. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.